0: Welcome to Build Your Thing, the podcast where we help content creators find their unique creative voice, monetize their work, and build their tribe of loyal fans. I'm your host, Matt Giaro, and if you want to start your writing journey or are already writing online, then today's episode is definitely for you. Why do I say that? Because today we are going to give you actionable tips about how to improve your online writing. And why did I say We, because Justin Cox joins me on this episode. So Justin has been an online writer for 20 years. He's the co-founder and editor of The Writing Cooperative, one of Medium's most popular publications. And he's also the author of the book Write Now, which guides you through discovering what type of writer you are. And with that being said, welcome Justin to the show.
1: Hello, Matt. Thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure to have you here. And as I told you before launching the recording, I just want to say congrats on publishing your book right now. Thank you. We are going to talk about this book more later on, but for the time being, could you rapidly introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Yeah. So as you said, I'm the, uh, the editor of the Writing Cooperative, were uh, one of Medium's largest publications um, and the largest publication focused on uh, advice and encouragement for writers. Um, I've been doing that since 2014. Um, other than that, I'm a freelance writer. Primarily, my clients involve uh, nonprofit organizations and, um, and other businesses, helping them kind of shape their... Uh, marketing messages, strategic plans, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, and as you mentioned, I just published, um, uh, about a month ago, uh, my first book right now, uh, how to pursue your dream and start writing today.
0: Yeah, awesome, and, and, I, and I really like love like the cover and also like the, the title. Like it's it's really well put. So uh, congrats on that. So we may have uh, we have some you know some opportunity to dis- to discuss that that uh, this further. But what I really liked about your book is like it's kind of a unique book, like where you like we really feel like the coach the coaching side, and this is actually something. Um, that you don't see with a lot of books so maybe can can you tell us a little bit more about uh, about that and the thought process uh involved behind
1: that yeah so um thank you for noticing that uh yeah it my my i intended my book to be more of a uh, coaching book than a typical kind of how to write or self-help or here's how you do this uh type of book and um the book itself sprang out of the writing cooperative's coaching program, which I wrote the curriculum for in uh, late 2019, um, and we did I think five cohorts of coach uh, of, uh, of coaching folks uh, throughout 2020 or no I guess I wrote it in 2020 and then we had the first coaching cohorts in uh, 2021. Uh, Timelines all kind of blurred together in the last couple of years, um, but but yeah so. It, Long story short, it evolved out of a coaching curriculum that I wrote, Um, and that was really my intent, was to create something that um, gives writers the feeling that I'm right there walking alongside them, guiding them um, as they either start or rekindle their, their writing journey.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. And especially what I liked about the book is like like there are like three three main parts, right? So part one is all about overcoming the barriers to writing, right? Mm-hmm. Part two is like the different types of writing and editing. And part three is actually building a team who supports your writing. Is that correct? Yep. And, and, and how about um, like, can you maybe walk us a little bit through Um, those three parts like obviously without you know spoiling the book but actually (laughs) um, like like I really like the approach that you know um, that if you actually want to achieve something well you have actually two ways of doing so one of those is actually overcoming the barriers so like imposter syndrome, like you're starting with uh, your book with imposter syndrome. So this is quite interesting. Can you tell us a bit more yeah. about that?
1: <laughs> yeah. So the the three parts, like you said, uh, the first part is really focused on um, the barriers that get in the way. You know, there, there's a lo- writing is a it's a solo sport, but um, but there's a lot of things that get in the way of us kind of completing what we're trying to to create, and so. Um, but what I what I've noticed over the years is most often the thing that gets in the way is ourselves. Um, we create our own barriers whether it's imposter syndrome or self-limiting beliefs or whatever it is we we kind of create our own barriers and so that first um, that first section is really kind of uh, aimed at addressing the the things that we put in our own way um, and and identifying them because that's often the hardest, uh, thing to do is to identify them in the first place. Um, once we identify them, they're a lot easier to control or to um, remove. But but we have to be able to identify them, and so that's kind of the the first uh, section of the book. Um, from there, um, the the kind of middle section is the different types of writing, the different uh, types of of paths of to writing, um, different ways to kind of publish and and get out there. Um, and that's more of a exploration of, of all of these things with, um, with activities and worksheets to kind of guide you, um, and at least try different forms. I'm primarily a, a nonfiction article writer, um, that's kind of my bread and butter, but I do like to dabble occasionally in, um, in fiction. And, and so I encourage all writers to kind of explore the different options available to them because you never know kind of where that muse uh, might strike. Um, and then the final section is the, the uh, building a team. And as I mentioned, writing is a solo sport, but uh, we really need a team of supporters, uh, a team of people who encourage us, um, and help us to make sure that we're creating um, the best work possible.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's quite interesting. And when it comes to, you know, um, writing and editing, um, I know that you are um, someone who's writing daily, but you don't publish daily. So could we dig a little bit deeper into that, that, that aspect?
1: Yeah, I, um, you know, there's a lot of different writing advice out there. Um, some people say you have to publish daily. Some people say you have to write daily. Some people say you don't need to do either of those things. Um, and so it's really one of those that I I think it's important to figure out what type of writer you are and what works for you. Um, for me, I like to write daily and, um, I use the app day one It's a journaling app. Um, but I write every day in that app and it helps keep track of, um, my streaks. to make sure that I'm writing daily. it I've created kind of a custom template that gives me random questions to kind of ponder and explore. Um, as of uh, right now, I have a um, 1642 day streak uh, in the app. Mm-hmm. And so that is uh, the better part of four and a half years. Um, and so I, I believe heavily in that, but I don't believe in publishing daily. Most of the stuff that I write in my, um, my app is just for me Um, it's a it's a way to uh, grow as a writer to improve my skills um, and to ponder what's going on in my world and in my head Um, but that doesn't need to be publicly consumed Uh, the stuff that that does get published is much more polished thoroughly edited um, and much more deeper in scope and so. I, on the, the debate of quantity versus quality for online writing, um, I heavily lean towards the the quality side.
0: That, that's interesting. So, like, what you're saying is that, like, you have the, this daily writing habit, which is more kind of on the journaling uh, side of things. Um, and, like, uh, do you also have, let's say, on some days let's say when you're just journaling do you do you see actually yourself cranking out let's say an outline for an for an article that you may are going to publish or how how does this actually fit into your into your routine
1: yeah so the the journaling it um it's really a place for me to kind of flex my writing muscle um it's it's largely separate from my regular writing routine um though there are things that work their way out of the journal and into um, outlines and such that will end up being published. um, It's, it's a way to kind of capture the things that are in my head um, without any agenda. Um, Mm -hmm. A a lot of times when I sit down to create an outline or to start an article or whatever it is that I'm writing, I have an agenda in mind. um, And so that writing is very focused and very, intentional. Whereas my daily writing, my journaling, um, that's a way for me to just kind of write and see what comes out, um, and, and kind of explore, um, the things that are going on in my head. And so that, that's a way to, uh, like I said, flex my writing muscles, make sure that I, you know, improving as a writer. Um, but also just to kind of explore, uh, ideas without any set purpose.
0: That's interesting. And do you have also like a daily writing habit when it comes to, um, you know, let's say working on your, on your articles or something like that, or is it more like depending on the projects and how you just, um, or depending like on, on other factors?
1: Yeah, it largely depends. Um, So online writing, my articles, um, the writing cooperative, that is really secondary to my main clients. And so, um, my clients, cause they're paying me, um, they get the, the primary focus of my attention. And so, uh, in between clients or, um, when I finished a client project or whatever it is, um, that's when I tend to, to focus on, um, my online writing. And so that tends to happen in more, um, bursts and spurts rather than kind of every day, um, for example, uh, the writing cooperative, I write a, a weekly newsletter um, that's sent out every Tuesday. Um, I'll tend to write uh, maybe a month's worth of those newsletters um, in one sitting, uh, just kind of, you know, creating those, getting them ready to go um, so that I'm not writing the night before, uh, trying to get them out when, um, when the deadline is approaching. And so... Um, my online writing tends to to do that. It kind of fits in around uh, my daily work and uh, where where that time allows.
0: Okay, th- that's great. So you're like batching um, like your newsletter and well, um, this is also like, you know, batching is certainly also something that, that I like to do because um, like it just frees up your mind. So you know that, well, you just have to do, you can do everything in one sitting. And then like you have like, plenty of time just to to plan and really think about the next issue that you're going to write. So this is definitely interesting.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like today, uh, before this call, I actually um, was looking at the calendar and um, assigning uh, newsletter topics for each of the weeks in uh, in August. And so I'm, I'm already kind of thinking that far out in terms of topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I have time, I'll sit down and um, create the shell of the newsletter and, um, and kind of get the, the, the first draft ready to go.
0: Yeah, that, that's great. It also like leaves you with plenty of time to really think about it and incubate about, you know, some specific things that you may like that you can talk about in, in like uh, in like three weeks or one month. So this is, this is interesting. Exactly. Um, the other the the other thing that I wanted to talk about here is you know like you mentioned quality versus quantity and that you're with the with the squad that actually promotes more more the quality uh, kind of things so um how do you actually find around the, right, the right balance between you know procrastination overthinking, good editing and how do you actually know that something is uh, worth publishing?
1: yeah, I mean that's a great question and Honestly, the answer is that it kind of depends and it's going to be different for for every, um, every writer. And so um, what I like to tell people is that um, the best way to build an audience is to balance quality and quantity um, or quality and consistency, really. Um, and so consistency can be whatever you define it as. Um, my consistency is like, I, I, I know that I'm going to be publishing those newsletters once a week. I know that I'm going to have a new uh, interview with a writer once a week. That's consistent for me. For some writers, it is daily, um, though personally, I just find it hard to reach my quality standard if I'm publishing every day. Um, in uh, 2017, I did an experiment uh, where I... I Published this was before I was writing the weekly newsletter and everything Um, But I I published a new article every week um, for the week of 20 or for the year of 2017 Um, I wanted to see you know what that did for um, my own writing habits my my growth as a uh, of my audience Um, and so that was a an undertaking for me and what I learned is that at, at the end of the year, looking back, um, a lot of those articles were things that were good but they weren't great. Um, and I was writing them to meet my own personal deadline rather than to, to get things out that I was proud of and that I wanted you know the world to see. And so um, to answer your question about what defines quality, um, it, it's really tough. Um, to answer for anything other than myself and um, for me quality is something that I'm proud of that I, I hope will um, people will learn from or at least get them thinking about uh, the topics and the, the points that are, are contained within
0: There's like someone knocking. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. I told, like I said, there's people working on my house um, outside the office, and I didn't know they were coming today. But um, that's why I was trying to work from my iPad in the other room. But unfortunately, the this system doesn't uh, work on anything but but desktop.
0: Yeah. No worries. It's just like, you know, so that listeners know that, well, there is nothing like crazy going on. It's just like, you know, life happens also like when you're recording a podcast. So (laughs) no worries about that. So life does happen. (laughs) Yes. So, so this this is an interesting take. So, um, like I always find it actually hard to actually balance between quantity and quality. And I think that, uh, you know, maybe it's, it's also, um, like, like the hard thing is actually no, let well, what are actually, what is actually quantitative for me? Is it like, you know, let's say um, having an article that let's say goes viral or reach a certain amount, let's say of quote unquote social approval, or is it like, um, let's say like f- on my side, it's actually, you know, getting a lot of email subscribers or that kind of stuff. So I think it all comes down to, well, what is actually like, how do you, how do we define quantity? Right. Uh, qualities sorry
1: yeah exactly and i I think that's why so in the book one of the things that i talk about early on is the need to define your purpose as a writer what is your ultimate goal and your a writer's individual quality description is going to be defined by that purpose and that um and that goal and so um knowing that means that everything kind of centers around that purpose. And so my purpose is to um, support and encourage others, to inform people, to help um, people learn, or at least think about uh, situations in a different way. And so if my content that I'm writing is not meeting that purpose, then it doesn't meet my quality standards. It could be incredibly well written, it could be um, well edited, well executed, but if it's not meeting that purpose, then I have to ask myself why I'm I'm spending time uh, to create it in the first place. Th-
0: that's interesting because, like, um, you know, sometimes let's say I write something and I think it's a it's a good piece of content, or. Sometimes even like I think it, it's a great piece of content, right? But then you just put it out there, and then you see like there is like no traction on, on the content. And you know sometimes like other pieces that I'm that I'm writing and publishing, and don't really expect much uh, much out of them. Well, then they're just you know performing pretty well. So yeah, this is a strange thing.
1: Yeah, there's no. Oftentimes there's no. Um there's, there's often no rhyme or reason when it comes to something driven by an algorithm. Um, Mm. but all we can do is, you know, strive to put the best, uh, stuff out there that we're proud of, that we've created, that, that meets our purpose and our goals. Um, and then after that it's up to the audience and it's up to the, the systems to do their thing. And so that's why it, that's why I like to make sure that whatever I put out there I'm proud of, um, because after it's out there it it's no longer up to me how it how it handles or how it's viewed or how it's uh, how it, people respond to it And so I just want to make sure that what I publish I'm proud of
0: yeah that makes sense so you're just focusing on what you can control and then what's actually happened beyond that well it's just nothing that you can control right so exactly <laughs> yeah that's interesting So um, Justin, you know as a co-founder of the largest, a medium publication for, um, online writers and helping people actually, you know, become better writers. I'm pretty sure that you, that you, that you're seeing actually uh, like every, every week, like a lot of things to do and, and obviously things not to do. So, so what are the most quote unquote common mistakes that people do?
1: Yeah. Uh, great question. So, um, yeah, our, so our publication, The Writing Cooperative, has um, we're almost to 240,000 followers on Medium. Um, we receive uh, a few dozen sub- uh, submissions a week. I don't, I don't really know how to quantify it because uh, without counting everyone individually in the queue, there's no way to really kind of see that number, but it's a few dozen a week. Um, and I, I tend to reject. Uh, between 50 to 60% of those submissions. Um, Most of the rejections are for um, formatting issues. That's the most common issue that I see. Um, And so my advice to any online writer is to make sure that they understand the the rules and requirements of the place that they're submitting to. Um, We have very detailed... Uh, formatting requirements just because the time that it would take to correct everything that gets submitted um, Mm -hmm. is just not feasible uh, for me as I'm editing and so um, that's the the primary uh, reason for rejection beyond that the biggest uh, reason that I that I see that causes something to be rejected is uh, a lack of focus on the audience a lot of writers, particularly new writers, like to tell stories. They like to tell uh, their explain their personal experience, and 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 I think that's great. I think that our experience um, can drive an opportunity to to teach and to, to help others grow. Um, and my my book is a great example of that. It's it's riddled with personal experience and and personal stories. But what I see people neglecting to do is to then take those stories as a springboard to focus on what the right or what the reader can learn from. Um, they, they too often just focus on themselves and create an article that's really focused and based on their experience without any contemplation for what the, the reader is going to take away. And so my advice to writers is to always write with the audience in mind what is it that you want them to achieve from reading your content what is it that you want them to walk away from and put yourself in their shoes if they've clicked on your article because the headline captured their attention then what is going to keep them uh reading chances are they don't know who you are. They don't know your history, your background, your past. Um, if you're talking about people that you interact with on a daily basis, they're not gonna know who those people are. And so you have to really weave the story of your personal experience in, uh, in a way that uh, captures the reader's attention and focuses on them and how they're going to, to learn and uh, grow as a result of, of reading the article
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense so like you know like it's not just about your story but how can you actually use this story just to illustrate the bigger idea that that you actually want to want to pass on right so it's all about as you as you just mentioned like you are like people sometimes think that they are writing for um um like they really like they, they write because they enjoy writing but Truth is, like, there is someone on the other end who is going to read this. And, well, you just, you know, we are all overwhelmed. We'll, we have all so many options where we could spend our time. So the thing is that if you don't take the time to actually think about, well, um, who am I actually writing for? Then, well, then it's just like, you know, as you said, maybe it's just like journaling. And, and it's not really writing for, you know, to 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 get, let's say, Traction on medium or, or wherever you, you want to publish, right?
1: Right, and and granted. Uh, so my advice is really specifically focused on um, my publication. You know, mm-hmm. there is online writing that is more blog focused, that is more personal focused. Um, personal essays um, are definitely much more personal focused than than focusing on the 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 reader. However, I, I think with any anything that you're writing, whether it's a novel or um, an article or an essay, that there has to be um, some consideration given to the audience and how they're going to, to perceive what you're writing, um, especially if you're using a personal story. Um, how, how that reader is going to be to, to receive that story and not be bored or not be like, okay, well, I don't know who Matt is or I don't know who Justin is and I don't really care about their lives. What am I going to take away from this? And so there, there's a balance there. Um, but my, my advice is definitely more focused on the writing that I edit and and review, uh, constantly, which is more, um, how to write more advice given, uh, Advice focused.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, um, I'm pretty sure that, you know, with all the articles that you see coming along your way every week, that there are simply some articles that are popping up, right? They just stick out. And I would like to know your take about um, what actually makes a great piece of content.
1: Yeah, another great question. And so, um, you know, there we, we receive a lot of stuff, and like I said, I, I tend to uh, reject about fifty to sixty percent of everything that's submitted. Um, and then the stuff that gets through are, is is always going to be of, of high quality, is my goal. Uh, but then there's there's the the stuff that's really sticks out to me, um, and so I tend to uh, I bookmark those. And at the end of each month, I send out a newsletter um, that rounds up all of the, my favorite picks from the month. Um, and those are the, the ones that kind of land in that, that newsletter. And, and what those, um, those tend to be are things that, um, the, uh, that stand out um, that have a different take or a different experience, or um, they're, they're unique in some way or something that I haven't seen before. Uh, a great example is, um, I think it was last month's roundup. Um, it's it's hard for me to remember because I've already written the one for for June that comes out in uh, a couple of days. But um, so it might be in this month. So I don't remember. But um, there was an article, excuse me. There was an article that somebody uh, wrote about how to write for a dyslexic audience, and the author has dyslexia. And uh, was talking about some of the ways that you can make it easier for a dyslexic audience to read what you've written. And that was something that I've clearly never seen before. And that really captured me. It was well written. Um, and I enjoyed the advice. And so that was something that that stood out and, um, and went into that monthly roundup.
0: That's interesting. And right now, my question for you is when it comes to editing, how do you actually approach it? So I know that, you know, your book right now um, has gone through various stages of editing. One of the, one of those stages actually just putting the book in, into a drawer for six months and not looking at it. But what piece of advice would you give to someone who's writing online and just want to get his editing right?
1: yeah so editing um, it uh, it depends on the the content really and so the book I went through multiple editing rounds, multiple rewriting rounds on my own um, I went through multiple rounds um, with other people reading it um, and providing advice and then leading to additional rewrites um, that was something that you know i I wanted that to be as polished and um and and fully flushed out as possible before i I put it out there in the world um my newsletters that i write every week my level of editing is a little bit different um you know i'll write them um i'll personally edit them using uh grammarly and um and kind of reread them and make sure that they make sense, but I'm not going to go through multiple editing rounds and, um, and multiple eyes on them to make sure that every, every word is perfect um, just because I would never get anything published at that point. So it's really kind of a, um, there's a, a a spectrum as to the level of editing that I I put into something um, depending on, uh, what type of content it is, and what it's what the ultimate goal for it is.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So there is actually no way. Like, it does not make a lot of sense. Let's say to you know reread, let's say an article that you want to publish, let's say on on Medium, um, versus let's say a book that you're that you're going to to publish on Amazon, right? So,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and when it comes to other writers, you know, I that's one of the things that I can tell as a publication editor within about a sentence or two of somebody's submission. I can tell if somebody's actually edited it or if they just wrote it and then hit submit to the publication. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't want to be the, that person. (laughs) Um, It's, it's not a good look. Um, Plus it's a waste of my time and it's a waste of your time because it's, it's going to go back to you and you're going to have to edit it anyway. And so Um, you know, everything, regardless of, um, what that content is should go through some type of editing process, um, to the extent of that editing process just really depends on, um, your personal preference for, and your desire for that piece. Obviously the more editing, the better. Um, but, uh, but there has to be some level of editing and rereading, um, that every writer goes through on every piece of content that they write.
0: That that makes sense. And how, how do you actually approach it? Like um, let's say, like, do you have like your writing part on, on one side or do you write something out then you're going to edit it straight away or like um, what does it actually look like for you?
1: Yeah. So again, it, um, it depends on the, the content. And so, Um, that newsletter, the newsletters are a great example. I'll typically write those, um, edit them, excuse me, I'll write them and edit them um, within the same sitting. Um, There may be 300 words in those. um, So it's not, you know, a detailed kind of piece of content. It's something that's more really just kind of an exploration on the topic. 300 words, I can write it and, and edit it and get it, you know, pretty polished, um, in a short span. Um, I'm on working on a piece right now, um, that is about 2000 words. Um, it it's, uh, an article, um, and I wrote the outline for it maybe a week ago. Um, I wrote the first draft of the, um, of, of everything uh, over the weekend um, and then I edit it and rewrote it all today so um, that's just a little bit of a different process but it's also a little bit of a different piece of content it's longer um, it's more detailed uh, and and while I did an edit and a rewrite today, it's, it's still not ready for publishing yet. Um, it's, it's edited and I'm happy with the writing, but I still need to do um, graphics and I still need to you know, get the final formatting ready before I decide uh, when that gets published. And so um, you know, that leads more towards my uh, quant- quality focus, um, that I want to make sure that things are well polished and well thought through um, and before they're published. And so I'll spend uh, I'll spend a week or so, maybe even more uh, on a single um, a single topic, a single idea um, if if that's what it takes to get that article ready for publishing.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And, and like something that I, that I noticed on, on my side is like, it also heavily depends on the day. Um, and, and like your, you know, like, I, I don't know if it's your mood or your kind of, you know, kind of uh, sharpness um, um, on which actually you, wo- you you wrote your first draft, right? So on some days, you're just very sharp. And you're just able to, you know, put the right words right on in on the first rough and and some days are just awful, but you're just going through the process just, you know, to keep the momentum going. So
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we all approach every day is different. And like you said earlier, sometimes life happens and um but but that again is because I lean towards quality and I don't have like a you know, I, I need to get this out every day, um, I can really make sure that the, I can give the time to edit the content that I've written to make sure that it is of quality um, that I'm proud of. And that even if I had the not best day while I was writing the first draft, I can make up for it in the editing and the rewriting process.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, this leads me actually right now to, um, self-publishing your book. So you have been self-publishing your book on KDP. So could you tell us a little bit more about the experience and also maybe like your, your writing process and how did you actually approach it?
1: Yeah. So, um, Amazon KDP Kindle Direct Publishing, um, was a new experience for me. Um, we've written a or I've, published a lot of, um, content on the writing cooperative with people making, uh, suggest- suggestions about how to use KDP and its benefits, but, uh, I had never personally used it. So the, the, the book in itself was kind of an experiment to, um, to test that system and play with it a little bit. Um, and so I really didn't know what was involved until I got to that process. And so, um, the writing process. I, I approached writing the book like I approached writing everything. I started with an outline. Um, I wrote it in uh, Ulysses, is the app that I use, um, and got it ready to have a final draft form. And then um, I turned to uh, Fiverr to. Um, I hired a um, a guy from uh, I believe it was in the Philippines. Um, who did the final um, KDP layout. Um, He's the one responsible for the amazing cover art and um, the internal graphics. Um, And so he created... He took my final uh, draft uh, text and turned it into the format for both Kindle and uh, paperback copies through KDP. Um, And so once he was done... um, it was uploaded to Amazon and, um, the book was essentially ready for purchase, um, within a matter of hours after I received the, the final files from him. Um, and so I, I was pleasantly surprised at the ease of the KDP system. Um, and I've gotten, uh, the printed copy, um, and they're printed in various places around the world, depending upon where you live. Um, and I've seen now copies from Great Britain and then here in the States, and the quality is—I'm uh, very impressed with it all, all the way around.
0: That's interesting. So, um, when it comes to actually writing your book, like you just—you just told that. Well, you're just starting with an outline, and like it's just mapping out the chapters, um, and then um, or how how do you actually approach it? Like, and do you use like, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who's like, you know. Too much focuses on the tools, but, um, like I found a little bit of friction, let's say when using two different tools, when it comes to writing, but on the flip side, you know, outlining, you know, you have softwares or apps that work better than others. So what is your take on that?
1: Yeah. So, um, tools and and I, I talk a little bit about tools in, in the book, but not a lot because, um, tools are one of those things that can lead to procrastination. If you're always looking for the right tool or the best tool, or it, you're not focusing on the writing. And so, um, over the years, I've tried a million different writing tools and, and apps. Um, and I always come back to Ulysses cause it's the, it's, it's my preferred, um, set of features, uh, for a writing app. And so everything that I, I tend to write starts there. Um, and so it's a it's a markdown editor. Uh, I write in markdown. Um, and when I'm starting an article or the book, um, I'll start with a, um, a headline. Um, and then I'll just kind of start doing bullet points from there. Um, on a typical article um, or the newsletter, for example, um, that original outline tends to not, change very much i kind of have an idea for where things are going to go um i'll actually write the uh section headings and then maybe even subsection headings depending on how detailed i want the outline to be um and then i'll go back and uh when i'm ready to write i'll start kind of filling in the sections from there for for the book um, i did the same thing uh kind of focusing on chapters um and then the subsections within the chapters. But there was a lot of uh, reorganization that happened with the book. Uh, I moved entire chapters around. I took sections out of one chapter and moved them into another chapter. Um, kind of as I was writing the book um, and different ideas and pieces were kind of coming together, um, I, I rearranged things to make it. A little bit more fluid. Uh, Those three sections that we talked about earlier on, um, that was something that didn't really come about until one of the final rounds of editing. Um, And I realized that there were kind of these three uh, main sections. And to accomplish that, I actually did move a couple of chapters um, at the end to uh, rearrange to really kind of a, a, a fulfill that, that three section idea, um, that was when I moved most of the goal setting, um, and, uh, what type of writer are you content, uh, earlier on to tie in with the, uh, imposter syndrome and the barriers that we, we set. Um, and so that was a great example of, you know, being flexible almost right up until the very end.
0: Yeah, that's uh, I think that's the best example to just illustrate that um, the creative process is an iterative process, right? So you can start with an, with an outline, but you know, when you just start writing and when you start putting the things together, you just see, well, this does like, there is a better way to say it. or there is a better way to just rearrange everything. And then you just start flipping everything around. And then (laughs) this is like, sometimes we think that like we as writers or creators are, are kind of um, um, unorganized person, but, it's just part of the creative process.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and again, that's an, another example of why I tend to lean towards not publishing uh, right away, even when things are ready to go, because um, you know there, there's the possibility that there could be a better way to say something or a better. Uh, example to put in there and now there's a point at which you have to publish <laughs> you know you, you can iterate and you can perfect and you can refine forever and ever and ever um, but you don't give yourself the option to do any of those if uh, you essentially just publish right away
0: yeah but but the hard thing is always to find a sweet spot right so right really yeah so giving yourself the time to you know maybe polish things a little bit more, or maybe, you know, um, missing out of the oppor- on the opportunity to, you know, make things better. But on the flip side, you know, like, like I, I just found it with, like, with a lot of things that I've, a lot of pieces of article uh, or a lot of pieces of, 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 you know, a lot of articles that, that I wrote. Um, well, I, I just left them in, in, in my app and I told, well, I'm going to review and add them later on and later on never happens. So, well, it's like, I don't know if you have something when it comes to like for myself, like what I found is, you know, just giving yourself a deadline. Let's say, okay, I'm going, I wrote this article. Now I'm just going to give it two days. And if after two days, I just find, you know, ways to improve it, then I'm going to improve to improve it. If not, then I just have to ship it.
1: Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great way to do it. And I think that, um, you know, giving yourself that time, um, it, it one, it gives you the time to relook and to re-edit something should you need to. And two, it does set a final like, okay, we're not going to keep writing this thing 19 different times um, and, and it'll never ever be ready. But mm-hmm. um, it, so it, it prevents that from happening. But again, that, that speaks to the importance of at least having some sort of editing and refinement process built into your writing process, um, which a, a lot of writers, particularly new writers, um, don't tend to think through. And so I think it's really important to um to give yourself that time, whether it is a day or two days or whatever it is, um, it, It's I recommend if it's going to be an article of some sort that there is at least a day between writing and publishing so that you can come back and look at it um, so that it's not as fresh in your mind when you're reading it through with an editor's kind of eye in mind.
0: Perfect. Justin, do you have anything else that you want to add before we wrap up this call?
1: Um, no, I think this has been a really great conversation. And so I just, you know, encourage people that are interested in writing, uh, whether for the first time or, um, you know, if they're rekindling their writing passion, um, my book is available on Amazon worldwide. Um, and the writing cooperative is, uh, is at writingcooperative.com and ready to provide advice and encouragement. And, um, and so I, I appreciate the conversation today, Matt.
0: All right, Justin, thank you very much and wishing you all the
1: best. Thank you.
0: All right, so hope that you've enjoyed this conversation with Justin Cox. It was definitely very, very interesting, especially if you want to sharpen actually your online writing skills. And for everyone who's interested in picking up Justin's book, um, I'm going to leave obviously all the links in the show notes. And if you're a writer or plan to become a writer, and actually turn and monetize your writing skills beyond the Medium Partner Program, then I would strongly encourage you to join my secret emails. So those are emails that I send out every day to actually help you grow and monetize a business as a content creator. So you can sign up for these emails completely for free. You're going to find again the link to those emails in the description. And I can't wait to see you inside your inbox. Thank you very much for tuning in today. I hope to see you in the next episode and also inside my daily emails. And with that being said, I see you guys in the next one.